Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. We invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, we've been in a series of messages in the Gospel of Luke. Um, We are going to probably have one more uh, message in the Gospel of Luke now. Then we're going to take a a break from Luke and sort of have a mini-series, a Christmas series, and then we'll resume and we'll finish up the Gospel of Luke uh, during the time of uh, looking at the cross and the resurrection and uh, the 40 days after the resurrection, the ascension. Uh, So uh, this morning we're going to look at Luke chapter 21. We're going to take up where we left off from our last uh, message. We looked at we included verse, verses 1 to 4 in this chapter um, in the um, passage where we dealt uh, there with the, the latter part of, of chapter 20. Um, this morning's passage is, is one of the most challenging really in the Gospels and really in the, uh, uh, in, in, uh, the New Testament, uh, one of the challenging uh, passages related to the future. Uh, but we know that, that we know there's a correct interpretation, amen? We know there's really only one. And so we've sought the Lord on this and, and, and want to have sought his direction as we prepare to preach this message today. And I will just say a word about it. There are those who, uh, some who see the passage we're going to look at today and, and they uh, uh, see everything in this passage happening uh, in the future related to the return of Christ. Uh, there are others who, uh, and they pr- pr- pretty much are referred to as futurists, or those who see this passage as, as uh, having all been fulfilled in the past. Uh, those are referred to by, I guess, theologians uh, as preterists. And then there are those who believe uh, there's a, a really a, b- both are true. There are both things being taken, that are taking place in this passage. And that's the position that I uh, am, am believing this morning and I'm going to be preaching. And the passage we're looking at this morning, I believe primarily, is going to be dealing with things that have occurred, uh, have already been fulfilled uh, in, uh, in the past. And, uh, and so we're going to look at them from that perspective. Ne- the next passage will be looking more ahead to the future. Uh, but uh, the Lord Jesus spoke these words. We know they're true and we're grateful for that. This morning we're going to look at verses 5 to 24 in Luke chapter 21. I would invite you, if you will, to stand with me as we read this passage together. Luke 21, we're going to begin reading this morning with verse 5 and reading through verse 24. Reading from the New King James Translation. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, these things which you see... The days will come which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And uh, and And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. When you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. 
But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you and delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost, but your patience... By your patience, possess your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled." But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And from this passage, I'll bring a message entitled, Get Ready. Tough times are coming. May we pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had today to worship. Father, I thank you for your presence today. You are here. And Lord, we continue today to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, I pray right now that every heart in this room will tune into you and will be attentive to you, Lord, and to your word today. Lord, we want to hear from you, Lord. Uh, we want to hear from your word. And Father, I just put myself at your disposal. I ask that you fill me, that you anoint me, that you empower me, that you speak through me today. Lord, our desire is that you be glorified. Lord, we, we know that, that what we have read today is truth, the word of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word. And we pray again for the, your spirit's enabling to understand, to receive it, to apply it. Lord, we know that you know the heart need of every person here. There are those today in this room who have been knowing you for many years, and Lord, uh, some who know you but are going through tough times. And I pray even in this passage, Lord, you will speak to their hearts today, encourage their hearts. There are, Lord, those today who perhaps are, are newer believers and who don't understand some of these things, even the things around them. Lord, I pray again you'll bring peace to their heart and you'll give them assurance of the truth of your word. Lord, uh, we know you know those today in our midst who do not know you, who have never repented of their sin and placed their faith and trust in Christ. And Father, our prayer and has been our prayer for them today that you would bring conviction of their heart, of their sin, of their need for Christ, that you would awaken them to their need for Jesus, uh, Lord, and draw them unto Christ today, that this would be for them the day of salvation, the day of repentance and faith, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. And we know you would be glorified in, in doing that in the heart of every person in this room today. Thank you for what you're going to do. Speak to our hearts. Be glorified today in our response of obedience to you, in our response of worship to you. We love you and exalt you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. One false teaching um, that is being proclaimed by some that are referred to sometimes as prosperity preachers, 
prosperity gospel preachers, is that when you place your faith in Christ, that you will begin a, uh, a life of, of only happiness, prosperity, and health, uh, in a sense that your, your problems will be over. Uh, and it is true that, uh, that when, we be, when we come to Christ as Lord and Savior, repentance and faith, He becomes our Lord, we are, we are free of the guilt of sin, we're free of the condemnation of sin, it is true that we can know joy and we, can have, we do know peace uh, in the presence of Christ and, uh, and amen, amen, among many other immediate and future and eternal blessings. Those things are true. However, uh, if you think and have thought and someone has led you to believe that when you come to Christ, uh, the tough times are over, that is simply not what the Word of God teaches. In fact, the Lord Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Uh, and so again, there are things that as a believer you won't have to experience uh, that you did uh, as an unbeliever. Uh, again, you won't have to know the, the guilt of sin. You won't have to know that now or, or in eternity. You won't have to have the fear of the consequences of sin. You'll be forgiven of the eternal consequences of sin, although uh, even as believers, the Bible teaches us we still reap what we sow. Uh, and, you, uh, and, and you can have the joy of knowing that even in those tough times that God is working all things together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. And he's working those together for your good and for his glory. Well, the time of this passage that we have read today is still on uh, Wednesday uh, prior to Friday, the day on the, the, uh, which of course is the day of the death of Christ. Um, and uh, many, most believe that this is a parallel passage that you find uh, also in Matthew 24 and in Mark 13, which are referred to as the Olivet Discourse. Um, and, and Jesus has been teaching in the temple, uh, and, and, and he's now re he's responded to questions, and now basically those questions from especially his enemies and his accusers, those questions are, are, are over. Um, and, uh, and now, as we read in this passage, Jesus and his disciples were going out of the temple on their way to the Mount of, of Olives, which of course is just uh, through the Kidron, Kidron Valley and uh, on a mount just overlooking the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Karen and I had the opportunity on a, on a trip to the Holy Land, to Israel, uh, to stay in a hotel that has been built on the Mount of Olives and overlooking the city of Jerusalem. I'm sure you've seen pictures of that. It is a wonderful experience to look out and, and know that you are, are looking out on the, on the city of Jerusalem and, and uh, where the temple once stood. Um, and, and so uh, that's where Jesus was, was going with his disciples. And as they began going out, uh, someone in the, among the disciples commented on the beauty of the temple. Uh, you remember now, these, these, most of the disciples were not from Judea. They were not from Jerusalem, though they had been there. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, just like we are when we go places and we see beautiful things, we comment on them, don't we look at them? And so these guys, these uh, Galileans uh, and, and these small town Galileans were overwhelmed and amazed by the beauty of the temple as we would have been. It was magnificent. Uh, again, um, uh, uh, it, it, we understand Jewish historian Josephus recorded some of the, uh, some of the stones here measured 35 feet long, 
12 feet high, 18 feet wide. Uh, and again, with the white marble walls, they rose which about 200 feet above the Kidron Valley, and it sparkled with its gold and its beauty uh, in the sunlight, and it was amazing. It was built to last forever. And, and Herod had been responsible. And, and by the way, this, the building was still going on. It went on for many, many years. It's hard to imagine how in those days uh, they were able to construct th this kind of a facility, but they certainly were. Uh, the donations, as mentioned here, are special gifts uh, which adorn the temple. And, uh, they included silver and gold gates and doors. Beautiful Babylonian tapestries uh, veil the entrance to the temple. And uh, so they were amazed and commented on them, but Jesus used this opportunity uh, to uh, help them to understand that what they were looking, around, uh, looking at was not going to be here forever. In fact, he was going to say that every, and, and did say that every one of these stones was going uh, uh, to be leveled. In fact, uh, uh, excavations reveal that th those giant stones, many of them down in the Kidron Valley, had been buried. And so obviously, somehow, when the, t when the temple was destroyed, they pried these huge stones even down into, uh, into the Kidron uh, Valley. So Jesus wanted them to understand that they were not to put their faith in this temple, that it was not going to, to be around. And, and again, all of what Jesus taught, as we believe here in verses uh, 6 to 24, was fulfilled in A.D. 70. Now when we get into the next part, verses 25 to 36, that is yet to be fulfilled. And, uh, and so Jesus is on in this passage to answer these questions, if you will, from the disciples uh, about what is, when this is going to happen and what will be the signs of this occurrence. So again, he told them to get ready because of tough times that were coming. You know, you may say, well, if this, was ha this hadn't happened yet, but it has happened now, uh, how do we apply that? Well, we do that in the same way we apply uh, many Old Testament passages. And the New Testament writers indicate that these things have been given to us for our edification uh, and, and for our understanding. And so I want you to look with me, if you will, at five truths to help us get ready for tough times in our lives as well. First of all, notice that Jesus knows and predicts the, the events of the future. Jesus knows and predicts uh, or prophesies, if you will, the events of the future. Uh, again, Jesus told them that this beautiful edifice, this temple, is going to be destroyed. This must have shocked them. Uh, and again, uh, but, but, but thankfully, by this time, the disciples had learned to trust what Jesus said to be true. They didn't argue with him. They didn't, they didn't say, no, surely not, Jesus. They were learning to understand that what Jesus taught them was true. Have you learned to understand that? Have you learned to believe what Jesus said to be true? When Jesus said it, that settles it, whether you understand it, whether it makes sense to you or not at this point, that you can just trust his word. I'm grateful that the disciples had come to that place. So they basically asked two questions. When will it happen, and how will we know when it's about to occur? And so by telling them, again, Jesus demonstrates his full knowledge of the future. Wow. What does that say about him? It says he is God. And as, as has been said, history, past, present, and future is his story. As being fully God and fully human, Jesus completely fulfills what Scripture says about himself. We know Jesus, has, as we've seen him, is priest, and the book of Hebrews speaks of him uh, as being high priest. He is the high priest. Uh, he is king, and again, the scriptures and the gospels that we've studied make that fully clear. But he's also prophet. 
Moses uh, prophesied concerning the Lord Jesus in Deuteronomy 8.15. He said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him, it is to him you shall listen. And Jesus is that prophet, if you will. And, and uh, he is the fulfillment of that passage. Uh, and again, Scripture says that the way to test the genuineness of a prophet, whether he truly is from God, is that what he prophesies comes to pass or not. Uh, and, and again, uh, Jesus completely passes that test uh, because everything he said here concerning the temple's destruction did occur in A.D. 70 with perfect accuracy. And again, Jesus uh, fulfilled uh, many of the prophecies concerning himself in his own lifetime. And one of the, obviously the most important was that, that he as God and, and Lord and God would be delivered up to the Jews, uh, that, he would be, that he would die, uh, and that he would be raised on the third day uh, from the grave. And it happened just as he said, amen? And he ascended back to heaven. He's alive today. Uh, so Jesus is perfectly trustworthy. And so again, I want to just encourage you today uh, to a- and ask you this question. Have you, have you uh, repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior? When you do, you can know that your future is secure. Even though things happen, even though the tough times come, things that you don't know, you don't know what's ahead for you out there, you all could stand today and say, I, I never knew this was going to happen. I sure didn't know this was going to take place in my life. But God does. Jesus does. And you can trust him and, uh, even when the tough time comes. Secondly, I want you to see Jesus cautions against false claims and alarms. Uh, Again, beginning in verse 8, Jesus says, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. Jesus is again warning them about false claims. There are going to be those that will come, and they will be claiming to be uh, the Messiah. And again, my understanding is fulfilled in history that many did that. And and even today, many continue to do that. But that certainly was fulfilled in in those days, that there were those who would come and claim to be the Messiah. Uh, And again, the the other uh, gospels indicate there were also false prophets who would come as well. Once again, those are with us today as well. And Jesus warns, don't be deceived by them. Uh, Again, uh, we must carefully test what people say by the Word of God. We must test uh, what is taught by Scripture because Scripture is the the perfect commentary on itself. And we need to trust uh, the Word of God and trust that to to accurately uh, to evaluate those who teach. Because if people are not biblically accurate, friend, they are dangerous. And that's why the Bible says we are to avoid false teachers. And then again in verses 9 and 10, he describes other things that are going to happen. He says, when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So he's describing, again, these, these wars and these commotions. He said, don't be terrified by these things. Uh, again, he's describing political, national, international unrest 
these things happened in that day. Uh, and, were, and so it was perfectly fulfilled, even as it continues to happen today. And so again, uh, there, this, he's saying this is not an indication that the end is near. Don't be alarmed by this, thinking, oh, the time must be here. The time is up. No, he said, don't be alarmed by this. Uh, and, and so again, true for us as well as we apply that to our lives uh, because there's a lot of unrest in our day, is there not? Uh, perhaps uh, more than many of you would say in your lifetime that you would think of all the, the political unrest, the, the national unrest, the international unrest. My goodness. And, and I hear people say things like, well, I just don't believe we're going to be around much longer. And you know, they may be right. Uh, Jesus could come today, and we are. That's why the Bible teaches we must be ready uh, at all times. But he, but he's saying here those things are going to happen. Those are going to be a part of uh, of day to day life, uh, and they are an indication of a fallen world in which we live. But Jesus' word for for them is the word for us today too. Don't be terrified. Okay, don't be terrified. I want to say to you, it's understandable. If you're here without Christ or if you know people who are, who are unbelievers, it's understandable that unbelievers would be terrified by our world scene, is it not? But should we not as believers be different? Should we not be able to demonstrate the peace of God, the peace of Christ, knowing our God is in control, our God is sovereign? None of these things, while they may surprise you, they never surprise God. God is fully aware. And so, dear friend, these are opportunities for faith. These are opportunities to demonstrate the difference that Jesus makes in a life. Don't be terrified. In verse 11, he goes on to describe, and he says, there, there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Again, uh, Jesus describes these things that happen. And, and, uh, and Roman historian Tacitus says that there were nearly a dozen earthquakes during this period. Uh, and, uh, and so there were many of these. These things were fulfilled even in that day, even as we see them happening in our day today. Uh, again, people oftentimes think, well, this must be an, an, a sign. Uh, it is a sign. One of the things it's a sign of is that we live in a fallen world. And, and the scripture says that even nature, that nature is awaiting its redemption. Uh, and, and, it, and again, it, it didn't necessarily mean that the time of disruption was upon them. Uh, and and, and it, again, it, just, it demonstrates and gives us opportunity in these times in which we are living right now. And we've so, seen so many recent disasters to give an explanation of why. Uh, it wasn't the way God created this world. He didn't create it this way. But sin brought all this about. Read Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8, where the Bible describes there uh, how sin uh, affected God's creation and, and how the world is, is waiting, this creation is awaiting its redemption. Romans eight twenty two says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. So again, even now, these recent hurricanes, these recent earthquakes and all these things that happen in our world are, are again, indications of creation's groaning, uh, of its anticipation of its redemption when all those things will be, uh, will be resolved. And so we praise God for that. Let me just say a word about that in application again to this present time once again with Hurricane Harvey and Irma and Maria, these, these terrible earthquakes in, in Mexico with so much loss of life. 
one of the things about this is it gives us uh, opportunities, unprecedented opportunities to minister. And I hope you are praying for the victims. As I was talking to Andrew before the service, one of our tendencies here is, you know, we're alarmed. We see it on the news. We're able to see that all the time. And then we just kind of go on about our task. And, uh, but the need for them is continuing. And, uh, and so I encourage you to, to pray uh, and, uh, and for the families of the, who are affected by this, so many of them, uh, and again, for those who've lost family members, their pain continues. We want to pray for them, uh, and, uh, but also that we be ready to give. And we've sh- shared with you, and there is in the bulletin today, opportunities to give to Disaster Relief, SendRelief.com, uh, I believe it is. And I'd encourage you to go on there, and, and one of the things to do now, some of you who are, uh, are internet uh, uh, frequenters that you, that you uh, look and keep up with what's going on there. But I want to encourage you to do something else. I want you to pray and say, Lord, would you have me to go? There's a need now for, uh, for people to go, and, and immediately right now, uh, I saw there's a need in Puerto Rico, and it's certainly not going to be a, a Caribbean vacation, you know, to go and, and uh, stay, probably stay in some nice hotel. But there's great, great needs and opportunities to minister in the name of Christ to people who are in this time of crisis. I read, uh, was reading or uh, watching one of the video segments about one of the churches in Houston that, that uh, has been uh, giving out uh, non-perishable food items and have had many opportunities. I mean, thousands upon thousands of diapers this church has given out. And, and, uh, and they've, uh, they've had the opportunity also to present the gospel thousands of times. And people are very open at a time of a crisis like this, uh, there uh, in, in unprecedented ways. And when people come in the name of Christ and minister in the name of Jesus, it opens doors for the gospel. So let's move while the opportunity is there uh, to, to, to take advantage of that opportunity. Many of the people have gone, uh, take time off work to go, and, and many of them are, are needing relief. And so again, there's an opportunity, and I wanna encourage you to think about that and consider that while the opportunity is, is there. Uh, Jesus cautions against false claims and, uh, and alarms, but thirdly, Jesus prepares his disciples for the tough times ahead. Again, Jesus is preparing these disciples right there with him about some tough times that are going to come upon them in their lifetime. In verses, uh, again, uh, 12 to 19, he, he describes some of these events. Uh, and, and look there with me, if you will, for a moment. He says, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. And so again, Jesus is, is describing here to them about these, these opportunities. And, and, uh, and this, this, this prophecy, again, concerning what happened was completely fulfilled. Uh, and if you want to know and want to know how it happened, go read the book of Acts. Because you read in the book of Acts about the opportunities uh, for what, what happened in the church and how the persecution uh, increased upon the church. And uh, you'll know the story about uh, one of those persecutors, a Pharisee named Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He was one of the lead persecutors. And, uh, and he was setting out to destroy this thing uh, called the church. And, uh, and seeing that its members be put to death. On his, but on his way to, to arrest um, more of them on the road to Damascus, uh, he, he met the Lord Jesus Christ, and his life was transformed. In, in Acts 26.10, 
Uh, we read a brief word about that, and he always included this in his testimony. He said, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He was there when Stephen was stoned, casting his vote against him, holding their cloaks as he was being stoned to death. But when he was converted, when the Lord Jesus Christ met him and he surrendered his life to Christ, uh, the, Saul the persecutor became Paul the persecuted. And then later in the book of Acts, you read how he became the, the one who was being persecuted as well. And so Jesus taught that that's going to happen. In verse 13, he, he, he said, however, this is going to turn out for you as an occasion for testimony, as an opportunity to witness. He said, therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth with wisdom with which your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. That happened as well. And again, many, there are many examples in Scripture, uh, other examples you can read about from history, uh, about how the believers uh, were persecuted, how they gave testimony in the midst of that opportunity uh, to, to share Christ. Uh, Paul, again, used every opportunity that he had uh, to, to witness when he was uh, standing before them uh, being arrested and being persecuted for, for his faith uh, in Christ. And again, that, that should remind us that those opportunities will come our way. The Bible says uh, we need to understand that all who live godly will suffer persecution. Uh, that we will be persecuted. So uh, while we don't experience it to this level yet in our own country, uh, many today, many of our believers, are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in other countries, Muslim countries, communist countries, are experiencing tremendous persecution. And I believe persecution is increasing in our own nation, and you can certainly see that happening as well. And we should not be surprised by that. First Peter makes that very clear. We should understand that and expect that. And again, uh, but the most perhaps difficult place of all that that comes from is our own family. Verse 16, he says, you will be, be betrayed by, even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And certainly that was true in this day, and Jesus was preparing his disciples, preparing us as well, but these things were certainly fulfilled uh, in, in this time. It's being fulfilled today. Again, as believers not only uh, are persecuted, but many of them die for their faith, are put to death uh, for their faith in Christ. But look at verse 18. He says, but not a hair of your head shall be, lo shall be lost. You say, wait a minute, didn't he just say, Many of you, some of you are going to die, but now he says not a hair of your head is going to be lost. What, is, is that not a contradiction? Well, no, it is not. In fact, he uses the strongest language possible, a double negative. We're not supposed to use that in the English language, but they could, it was okay in the Greek language. It's their, it's their way of really saying something very, very strongly, and that's how he says that here. You're, this, this, is, you're not, this is not going to happen. You're not going to be, uh, not a hair of your head is going, is going to be lost. So what is he saying? He's, he's giving a promise that even while they may kill the body, they can't kill you. Because you, the Bible says, when you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, He is your very life. 
you receive his gift of eternal life. Jesus told Martha after Lazarus' death, he said in, in John eleven twenty six, 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about the only kind of real security there is, eternal security. Amen? And even on in verse 19, he not only talks about eternal security, but he talks about a doctrine we refer to as the perseverance of the saints. Not just once always, not just once saved, always saved. But he says, by your patience, possess your souls. ESV translates that by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Again, he's assuring us that, that the evidence of our, uh, the fact that we endure is an evidence of our life in Christ, that we are in Christ. Those who are truly believers do persevere in their faith. And we are going to live forever. Amen. Well, Jesus had already said that that division in families was going to be one of the cost of discipleship. In, uh, back in Luke 14, 26, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. If you'll remember as we preached this passage earlier, we said that, th that when Jesus talks about uh, hating mother and father, he's meaning that our love for Christ is to be so strong and, and, uh, and preeminent in our lives that it makes the love we have for our family or anyone else look like hate. So I ask you today, does your love look like that? Does your love for Jesus look that way? Is your, will your love for Christ stand the test during these hard times that may come upon your life? And then fourth, I want you to see Jesus warns of his righteous judgment upon those who reject him. Beginning there in verse 20, again, Jesus is, is warning his disciples about this destruction of J Jerusalem, which would happen and which did happen in A.D. 70. And it, it really completes his answer about this matter of, of when the temple will be destroyed. And, uh, and his warnings here are his, to his church that are present with him there that day. Uh, in verse uh, in 20, he says, But when you see the, uh, Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that, it is, that its desolation is near. And during this time, Josephus says that over one million Jews perished during this war. He says that some 90,000 uh, people were taken captive. Uh, and you may wonder, how is that possible? Well, it would be during the period of Passover when many other visitors were there uh, in, uh, in the city. Had, pilgrims had come there for the Passover celebration. And so this was the terrible judgment. And again, you can read all about this terrible, terrible thing that came upon the city of Jerusalem and, and upon the people of God during that time. Why? Because of their rejection of their Messiah. Pastor Stephen Cole said, God's temporal judgments are only a warning of the far worse eternal judgment that is coming on the whole earth. Israel came under God's temporal judgment because she rejected her Messiah. Even so, every person who rejects Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord will face the eternal wrath of God. Jesus said in 8, John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And Jesus is not merely talking about physical death. He's talking about dying in your sins and remaining separated from him forever in a terrible place called hell. Jesus warns of the judgment upon those who reject him. 
Jesus warned about the severity of this judgment. And, and again, it happened just as he had said. And historians, as I said, are, can give the, the horrific details of what happened during this time. But you know, dear friend, as horrible as it was, it does not compare to the horrors of hell. And as horrible as it was, it was temporal. It was a temporary thing. Because you know today that, that that's no longer true. But it was, it was true and it happened. But as horrible as it was, it was temporary. Hell is forever, 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 forever. And dear friend, that ought, to, that ought to break the hearts of us today who are believers who know Christ, who know that our eternal future is secure in Christ. We're going to live forever in heaven with the Lord Jesus. And while we rejoice in that, at the same time, our hearts break over those who've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, who remain in their sin, who say no to him, who harden their heart against the Lord Jesus Christ, whose future is sealed. The Bible says not only that they will be condemned, but the, Jesus said, Jesus said, you're condemned already because you will have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Oh, dear friend, I plead with you today to recognize that hell is for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus offers and warns of this judgment. But, th but fifth and finally, Jesus offers hope for eternal life to those who repent and believe the gospel. There's a last little phrase there, and as he describes again what happened there in verse 24, he says, they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Well, again, as in this passage, there are several interpretations as to what this means, and whatever it means, I believe there are several things that are clear. First of all, that God is not done with the nation of Israel. Secondly, that we are still in the period of until... Romans eleven twenty five 25 says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And we are still in that period of until. Thirdly, Jesus invites you in this until period to repent and believe in the gospel. In fact, he does so today. He says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is still today, dear friend. It's still in the period of until. And Romans 1.16, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. He's given us that opportunity. The gospel, the gospel, the message of the gospel that, that God is the creator of this universe and all of us are accountable to that God. But because, again, of, of, of our sin, because we're sinners, uh, the Bible says we've, we've sinned against the holy God. And, and, the, and the Bible says because of that sin, we are now separated from God. And if we die in that state, the Bible says we would spend eternity apart from him in that terrible place called hell. But the good news is, is that God did something about that. He sent his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, to come to this earth, live a perfect and sinless life, and then one day fulfill his mission and coming, that he would take sin upon himself, that he would become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And we respond to what he has done for us, 
as we hear his call to our lives to repent, turn away from our sin, and place our faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for us at the cross and at the empty tomb, totally trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin made possible at the cross, made possible in his death on our behalf and his resurrection today. Dear friend, have you responded to that today? And again, number four, that is the time will come when the time will be complete, when the until will be no more. Only God knows when that, that, when no, knows when that will be. So my urgent cry to you today is don't delay. Don't delay. Come to him today. Jesus told them that the temple would be completely destroyed, and it was. The temple, of course, was central to, to worship. And when, when Jesus told the disciples that this temple was going to be destroyed, they immediately said, when's this going to happen? What are going to be the signs? In one of the other uh, Gospels, he, they said, when's going to be the signs of the, the end of the age, of your coming? So in essence, they were thinking, okay, if the temple's going to be destroyed, it's over, right? The end of the world will happen when that happens. And Jesus is saying, no. And he would tell them, it's going to happen in your lifetime. You see, because they considered the temple of, as it was to be the, the symbol of God's presence, the place where, where, they could, where people could, uh, the priest would be able to go into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God, once a year, and, and there were sacrifices were offered up on behalf of their sin. It represented the presence of God, and it was. But also, sadly, many of them treated it almost like a good luck charm. You read over in Jeremiah about how they would, they would use the temple and they would say, the temple of the Lord is here. The temple of the Lord is here. They would swear by the temple as if though somehow uh, it was going to protect them, that God's presence in the temple would protect them. And Jesus says, it's going to be gone. And so what they were depending on would be gone. And of course, we know the good news is that now as believers, when we repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ, the Bible says he takes up residence in us, that we become the very temple of God. In fact, that's who we are today, the Bible says. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by him. And we worship him in spirit and truth. We don't have to worship him in merely in a building. We worship him in a, continuously as we offer up our life as a sacrifice to him. Sacrifices are no longer needed because Jesus, has offered himself up as the final sacrifice for sin. He's our high priest. He's ever interceding for us. And so, dear friend, what, a, what good news we have as, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is showing them that times are changing. You know, many in our nation, as we said earlier, have lost everything in these storms. Many in Mexico have lost everything in, in, in this terrible earthquake. Many have lost family members. Many have lost their security. Quite frankly, many have lost their reason for existence. I saw in one of the news specials, they said, as they showed some of the churches having been destroyed, they said many have lost their faith. They've lost their faith. They've lost, uh, again, their reason for existence. Because, again, perhaps their, their security and their faith was in temporal things. So I ask you today, what are you trusting in? What are you depending on? And, and again, I want to ask you today, if you lost everything, if you lost your family, if you lost your finances, if you lost all your possessions in your home, what would you have? What would you have? What would you be trusting in? You see, what is your security and where are you finding your sense of existence, your purpose for existence? If it's not in the Lord Jesus Christ, dear friend, it's temporal. But when you know Jesus, Jesus is sufficient. Certainly, there'd be sadness upon anyone who would go through that. But dear friend, Jesus really is enough. 
I want to commend you today to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to respond to him. Let's think as we, as we prepare to conclude this message today, several things about taking this home with us today, several things I want you to consider with me. First of all, Jesus knows the future, and he is in full control of it. So therefore, trust him with your future. Secondly, don't be alarmed when you experience persecution and rejection. In fact, be alarmed if you don't. The Bible says that's an evidence of being a child of God, that you are experiencing persecution and rejection in your life. Thirdly, demonstrate faith, not fear, during these times of political uncertainty and even natural disaster. Number four, turn the tough times into opportunities to witness for Christ. And finally, respond to the gospel in repentance and faith today. Today. While you still have opportunity. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin Place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623, or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.